truck and your road to success in the trucking industry. This is Trucking Business and Beyond, the show that puts the money where it belongs, back in your pocket. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. The website is Let'sTruck.com. The show is all about the business of trucking, and today is Destination Health. My co-host is Kim Cockerham. We'll take your calls and answer your questions about everything health. Food, nutrition, fitness, lifestyle, training, disease, drugs, supplements, you name it. We'll talk about it. All you have to do is pick up the phone and ask the question. We're going to get to those questions in just a little bit. Today we also have a very special guest co-host, my son, Michael Rutherford, who is a student going, working his way through the NTP program now for certification. He's also a certified primal health coach. So let's bring everybody in. Kim, welcome back. Michael, welcome to the show. Hey there. Hi, Kevin. Hey, Michael. All right. I'm so glad you're here, Michael. About time. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, Kim, you and I get to sit back now because we've already been through the program and all the stress, (laughs) and we can watch Michael stress out over it now. I think uh, you can tell he's just loving it because it just um, speaks to his heart so much. He's so good at it. Yes, it's uh, a... Definitely stressful, but I love it. It's such great information. It's one of those areas that they call good stress. Yes. As long as we manage it. It's actually referred to, I I learned this in the heart rate variability stuff, called eustress. When both of your nervous systems are strong, but you are fight or flight dominant, you can actually use that to your advantage um, because you can get a lot done. When you're in that mode, you just have to be careful not to stay in that mode and burn yourself out, which I uh, am familiar with at the moment. I'm still struggling after truck shows and projects and fires and evacuations and still trying to get the stress response back under control. But it's working. We'll get there. Um Michael, you know, we've obviously talked a lot about the NTP and NTC programs, and and you're in the middle of that. By the way, how's that going? Good. I am in the final segment. We have finals in November. Uh, I'm getting caught up, so I'm starting to feel better. I'm a little bit more on track and uh, have opened up a little bit more time to be able to focus on that. So I'm definitely feeling better going into finals than I was midterm. So you mean you're not going to follow my lead and try to do seven segments in nine days? <laughs> no, I did that for midterms. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That was rough. Yeah. All right. So you are also a certified primal health coach. Tell us about that. Yeah. So uh, for anyone who's not familiar with Primal Blueprint, um, which really falls under the umbrella of primal nutrition from Mark Sisson, uh, he is just one of kind of the godfathers of the primal paleo movement, along with people like Chris Kresser and Rob Wolf, um, who really just what he was realizing is that it's not just the diet, that there's this whole complex orchestra of our health that has to come together to really optimize that. Things like getting in playtime um, and just really being 
that kind of childlike sense again of just enjoying life, going out and doing things without the rules and regulations, all that. Maybe it's, you know, playing a game with someone, basketball, tag, whatever it is, just enjoying that part of life. Uh, things like sleep and stress management, getting sun exposure and uh, green exposure, just being out in nature and all these things that come together that really represent what optimal health looks like. And so I love utilizing the, the entire life orchestra that I've learned from that and encompassing it with the deep understanding of, and knowledge of nutrition and what that can do for your body that we're learning in the NTA. NTA. So it's really a, a, just a very cool combination of things to come together to really optimize life. You know, and, and it's kind of interesting, um, Mark Sisson, like a lot of people who have kind of been a, a leader in this functional medicine, nutrition, paleo primal, many of them came from the endurance side of things. And I, I think the reason for that is they, they trained so hard, they lived a life that was exactly what all the health experts told us we were supposed to do. They ate clean, really. I mean, these guys weren't eating junk food. They were eating clean, but they tended to eat low fat. And they did a lot of carb loading because of their their sports and their endurance training. And they ended up a lot less healthy than they thought they should be because they were doing everything right. And, and if they were getting unhealthy, what chance did the rest of us have? And, and it's people like Mark Sisson and we had Sammy Inkinen on. Um, these guys were like top-level world athletes, triathlons, and yet they were showing up with all the same diseases of civilization that everybody else was getting. And we, you know, I think that was when it became very clear that you can't out-exercise a poor diet. Even when they thought they were eating a good diet, it turns out they really weren't. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Mark was, I believe he placed like third at the Hawaii Ironman. Um, I mean, he's not like just, he wasn't just your run of the mill. Oh, I do some, you know, some triathlons and Ironman things. Like that. He was, he was world-class. He was really up there as well as uh, really one of his right-hand man's Brad Kearns, who runs a lot of, they also have primal endurance, um, which is really just taking that primal lifestyle and, and incorporating it into that lifestyle that they, that they had that was endurance athletes. And they've just, they've created this whole other spectrum of, look, you can do this stuff and be primal and be low carb and it's going to actually be better. You have to train, you know, you, know, you got to change your training, but we can do it and they get better results. And it's really incredible. You know, it lowers the inflammation. They drastically change the training from every day to a couple times at lower paces, but it actually ends up increasing their results. And it's really cool to see. Yeah, it is interesting how many people uh, have been over training for decades. We always thought we'll train more, push harder. Turns out that's counterproductive. You end up spending more time training, getting fewer results. You know, it, it really, the, the primal movement, um, and people might wonder, you know, what's the difference between primal and paleo? I'll kind of throw my idea out here, and then you can follow up on this. The way I see it, paleo really 
only applied to food. We use the word paleo around diet and food and how we should eat, the hunter-gatherer kind of model. And I think primal goes to the entire lifestyle and how we lived, not just how we ate. How we ate was a big part of it, but how we lived as we evolved. And the entire lifestyle, the, the being outdoors, the types of movement we did, the way we ate, uh, the way we connected, we lived as tribes, as hunter-gatherers, and we depended on each other. And all of those things, I think that's really what the word primal kind of denotes. Would you agree with that, that paleo tended to be more just about food and primal really encompasses the whole thing? Totally. And it's interesting because paleo is starting to realize that and follow. So if you open up Paleo Magazine, uh, they every every magazine they put in this whole two-page template that starts to incorporate all that. So they're realizing, and they realize that Mark's really got this right, because he's really the one that designed this primal movement. And, and, and he wanted to take paleo and a lot of those nutrition things, but really bring it its own thing and name it something else. So he went with primal and, and then went with the primal blueprint. And he changes a little bit of diet, so he does allow for dairy, uh, you know, raw and fermented dairy for those who can tolerate it. Uh, even on his food pyramid, he has, you know, minimal amounts of some more pseudo grains like quinoa and some wild rice for like endurance athletes who might, you know, want a little bit more of those carbs. So he's got, he's been kind of in that forefront of, Hey, we might be able, you know, when you're healed and you're healthy and you're active, you might be able to bring in some of these foods. He's talked about, you know, soaked in fermented legumes and things like that and kind of been on the forefront of expanding one of his things that he likes to say is we shouldn't be eating such a restrictive diet. Really, the way we should be looking at food is how much can I get away with and still be healthy? Uh, and I think it's such a great way to look at it because so often we focus on all these foods that we can't have, but really there's still, there's all these foods that we thought we couldn't have for decades that now we can. And if we shift our focus to that, it makes it so much easier for sustainability. And then just realizing that, Hey, you know, let's experiment, you know, with my own self and see what my body is able to agree with. And if I, if I can and it keeps me healthy, then there's no reason why I can't have that in my normal diet. Yeah, really great points. And, and it is a much more overall approach to life and not just food. We're going to get to a break. We're going to come back. We've got more stuff. We'll also get to your calls and questions. Line them up. We'll get to them shortly. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Kim Cockerham is my co-host. Michael Rutherford is my special guest today. This is Destination Health. We'll be right back.
Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is Destination Health. Kim is here with me. We're also being joined by Michael Rutherford, and we're talking about paleo and primal. We're going to get to your calls in just a little bit. Kim, you know, one of the things I I found interesting here recently, I've been, for some reason, I've been getting tagged in discussions on Facebook in a lot of the keto groups. So normally I I don't have a lot of time to go through those, but when somebody tags me and I'll go look and it'll be a specific question, so I'll try to answer it. And I've been getting a lot more involved um, when I have time. The interesting pattern that I've been seeing is that any time this topic comes up, I'll see people that just, they'll even take little parts of it and say, oh, well, that's just a fad. And it was interesting today, I've seen it a couple times, and today there was a discussion about, do you really need to use grass-fed butter in bulletproof coffee? And somebody said, oh no, that's just a fad. And my response was, no, animals ate grass for centuries, millennia, the fad is feeding them grain. That That's a new thing, that's the fad part of this, and it's a very unhealthy fad, and I've, I've seen the same comments about paleo, primal, keto. These are just fads when in reality, nothing could be further from the truth. These aren't fads. These are the way we evolved. That's the whole point of all of this. And it's only been a blip on the radar that we've been eating processed foods and vegetable oils as fats and you know, high amounts of sugar and carbohydrates. That's the fad. I mean, what what we're talking about today, primal and paleo, is how we evolved. I find it just ironic that people would use that description when it's really the exact opposite. That is that is really interesting. And, you know, I don't think we, you know, you and I are about the same age. We didn't grow up learning how to... Um, be the bio-individual that now we have this open up to us to do. And I think some people are kind of afraid of that too. Like they're, you know, I know they're taking responsibility for it, but it's, I love what Michael was saying, Michael, when you said about um, how Marxism is even showing you how you can add other things back and you find what works for you. And I think that's kind of scary for people too, because they want to just be told what's going to work and what's going to eat. And here, though, this whole new primal movement, not new, but um, in paleo, it's opened up the, a world of um, exploring that we could do to, to be our best health. And uh, it is kind of interesting, the stuff that's coming out. You Like you said, the keto groups and the paleo groups, and it's, sometimes they can be against each other. But, um, you know, if we just back up and do what's best for our own self and try and explore and know that there's no one right answer, it's kind of exciting. It really is. Michael, I I know you spend a lot of time online, and I'm sure you've seen this whole idea that it's a a fad. Somebody was specifically asking about, you know, grass-fed butter, and when you understand the facts, there's virtually no comparison to, you know, the the factory-farmed, factory-produced foods and foods being raised the right way, and butter is an excellent example. To compare the two... Um, is kind of ridiculous. I don't know why you would make bulletproof coffee with conventionally raised butter. You're missing 
a lot of the reasons why there's butter in there in the first place. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. I mean, like you said, the whole point, I get, and I see this question a lot about bulletproof coffee. Is it necessary? Do I need to do it this way? Do I need to do it that way? And it's really, what a lot of people don't understand is, yes, it's a, it's a branded thing and, you know, it includes his product. And so it's, some of it is marketing and selling, but there really is a science behind why he put those two ingredients in there and why it's coffee and, and all of these things. So one, I know you love this, is rituals. So one of the reasons why it's in coffee and why that's an easy one to do is coffee in the morning is probably the most widespread ritual we have in this country. It or the world. that was very easy to say. What's that? Or the world. Yeah, or yeah. really, the, exactly, yeah. especially in first world countries. Yeah. Um, you know, to start your day with coffee. So it's something so easy to inundate these two items into. And then, you know, the, the really not even just coconut oil, but specifically, you know, concentrated MCT oil has a very specific reason of being in there is that we can't store it. It does convert straight to uh, ketones in the liver. And the butter has a couple different things. So it's, it's got great short chain fatty acids, which is really good things for our gut health and different things. And also, it's actually one of the second highest, uh, or sorry, third highest source of MCTs behind coconut and palm. Now, it's great. It's still a lot less, but it still continues to have that. And then, you, you know, with the grass-fed, you've got the increased CLA fat, which is cancer-fighting. You've got, you know, the increased beta, uh, beta carotene and, you know, some more omega fats. And there's so much more nutrition in there. It's not just these, quote-unquote, empty calories. You know, when you look at grass or plain conventionally raised butter and it's white and it's so weird, you know, you look back when we first started making margarine, they purposely made it yellow because we, we uh, knew that good butter and quality butter was yellow and they wanted people to want this margarine and think that it was the same thing. So they purposely added yellow coloring to it. Uh, I wasn't around when this first happened. I've read about a ton. You used to get it in these big bags, and there would be this yellow packet of dye that you would have to break and mix in. And that was so it looked more like what butter used to look like. Now butter's white, and we don't see that. And it's it's scary to think that people, you know, like you said, that it's, you know, just this fad. And, you know, if you look at, we didn't even have grocery stores 150 years ago. They didn't exist the way they do now, even less than that. And, 90% of the products that we see in the store weren't even an idea in someone's head that that would be possible. So this isn't even just like a couple hundred years we've been doing this. We're talking about since like 1900 that most of this stuff even began to happen. Uh, and it's, it's kind of a scary thing. We're seeing this huge it, like exponential increase in every single chronic health problem. And it's, you know, I'm not a big fan of, you know, just saying, oh, well, this happened at the same time as this. But it, there is so much evidence to show the correlation that it, that it is a correlation and that all of these things happen at the same time. And there's so many things that have happened in the last hundred years. It's simply you can't ignore it. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I was working on um, the webinar for this month, which is blood pressure. And, you know, the format for the webinars so far, I, I take a, a health condition and I talk about what it is, what causes it, and how do you fix it. 
And we've done all kinds of conditions, you know, high cholesterol, uh, high blood sugar, uh, full-blown diabetes, autoimmune conditions. Now we're doing high blood pressure. We've done some others. And what I finally realized was, you know, I, I kind of break it down into three sections in each webinar, what it is, what causes it, how to fix it. I, I should basically just copy the how to fix it part and add it to the end of every every webinar because it's always the same. The, w- the way we fix <laughs> yeah. these medical conditions is always the same, no matter what the condition is. Diet first. We have to have good nutrition. We have to be able to digest it. And then there's usually a lifestyle component. In, in, in some things, it's bigger than others. But it, it really is so much diet related that, you know, it's not surprising when we started talking about whether it was a paleo diet, a keto, the therapeutic diets. Sometimes people look at this and they say, but wait a minute, how does it fix all of those things? That sounds too good to be true. And sometimes it almost does sound too good to be true. You can solve all these things just by eating right. And we're shocked by that. And we tend to disbelieve because it sounds too good to be true. But again, all we have to do is look historically. We didn't have these diseases before. They didn't even exist. Or they were so rare, they were hardly ever documented. That was the norm for millennia, that, that we weren't sick. We didn't have diseases. And, and now it's not the norm. And it, it really is, the human body is designed to be healthy. It's not designed to be sick. It, it, we, we shouldn't treat the human body like it's going to get sick and we have to fix it. We should treat it as though if we give it everything it needs, it will just stay healthy. That's the natural design. Yeah, you know, one thing I love that Mark really is good at and why I love just so much that he puts out is that He's not just, okay, well, let's look at what our ancestors did and just follow it. He, he takes that idea and finds the science and puts it together. And one thing that's really basic that anyone can understand is we look at, you know, let's get rid of the, the ancestral model and just look at what happens in our body right now. Every part of our body, the cells regenerate, whether it's every day or every few months or year. And that's built off of the building blocks that we give it, and that's food. There, there's the food is our building blocks for ourselves to be able to do that. And if you know, you look at any construction, you can't build the Eiffel Tower with aluminum foil. It's not going to work. You need good quality steel, and that's the same with our body. We need good quality materials. Yeah. Hold, to build hold that thought. Got to get to a body. break. We'll be right back with more stuff. Stick around. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Welcome back. 
I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is Destination Health. Kim is here with me. We're also being joined by Michael Rutherford. We're talking about primal, paleo, real food, all the things we normally talk about. We're also going to get to your calls and questions. So, Kim, Michael, anything else you guys want to talk about, or should we get to some questions? I'd like to ask Michael another question, too, about okay. just the whole, um, I know you were going to chat about, like, even transitioning keto and paleo and primal. When you work with somebody, too, is there is there a path you, you follow with that? Um, any recommendations for people that do just think keto right now? Where would paleo and primal fit into their life? Yeah, so pretty much, and it really, I mean, the three of us know this, it's so bio-individual, but really mm-hmm. if, if someone, is, especially if they want weight loss or they want fat loss specifically and or just something else that would really benefit from keto, like I transition into keto and sometimes it's just a hard let's go for it all in uh, and sometimes it's a little slower when we work our way down. More often than not, I really like to get them to a stage of a ketogenic diet and as they reach their goals, we start discussing about introducing some of these things back in, for the, especially those who are just looking for the weight loss. And when they get down to that goal, um, Kevin, you, that's so weird to call you that. <laughs> <laughs> we, <laughs> we, you, you and I have done this. I mean, you know in your story that, uh, you know, when you got there, you actually felt like you were too small, like you lost too much weight and just started playing with that carb level. And just bringing that back up, and it's not like you introduced, you know, 200 grams of carbs back up. You just played with it a little bit, and that's really what I like. So the Primal Blueprint has this really cool thing called the carb curve, and what that essentially means is that the 150 is kind of 150 grams a day is kind of the top of that, and that's like you're you're uh, you're really active and you're just trying to maintain. So it's anywhere from 100 grams to 150. It's kind of this maintenance active level. And then you have this slower weight loss from 50 to 100, and then, hey, let's really kickstart this weight loss in, in a ketogenic diet of 50 grams and under. And so we just kind of move them along this curve to fit where their goals and, and their needs and their wants are. And so it's really just utilizing that. And it's just like, you know, maybe as they reach their goals, we might just add a half a sweet potato to their day and see what that does and just see if it get to a point where the weight loss isn't necessarily happening anymore, but there's not a weight gain and it's just keeping them happy and where they're at. And sometimes, you know, it's just a matter of, you know, enjoyment in life. They just, maybe they miss sweet potatoes or they miss having like normal rice instead of cauliflower rice sometimes, or, you know, some normal roasted potatoes. And all of these things are totally okay in the right context. It's just about not going overboard. It's like, okay, you reached your goal here's a whole platter of everything you could ever dream of one of. It's still bringing some balance to that and keeping that protein, fat, and carbohydrate in balance. And that's still so important is, you know, and a lot of times you'll just kind of feel that. One thing I love right now, I'm actually personally just like on a carnivore diet. I realized I was doing keto for a while and I just, that's all I craved. I just kind of stopped craving vegetables. Um, and normally it doesn't like, I love vegetables and I love eating big salads and, you know, just all kinds of veggies, but really my body's just like meat and eggs and, and all these things. And I'm just like, let's go for it and let's see what happens. Um, and it's really interesting. It's intuitive eating is one of those things that's 
hard for a lot of people to grasp. They're like, oh, well, that means I get to eat cupcakes when, you know, my body craves that. Well, it's like, well, no. <laughs> Part of this intuitive eating is having that healthy system that's optimally functioning and then being able to listen to that and sometimes realizing what these, car- what these cravings can mean. You know, yes, you might be craving a cupcake because that's what your body recognizes because you ate that to satisfy that craving for so long. So now your body recognizes that need for glucose generally because of a stress response to a cupcake. This is why people, when they stress, they almost always stress eat sugar because when our body is stressed out, it requires glucose. That's why our body, you know, has this whole mechanism of the adrenals kicking in and releasing that cortisol. It's to tell our body to produce glucose. And sometimes our body's just so tired and it can't do it anymore. And so our body is like, okay, well, you need to give me some sugar then. Um, and, And so, you know, Oftentimes, our brain perceives that as cupcakes because that's what we've connected, you know, the cupcakes or the ice cream or the candy or whatever it is to that feeling. Um, and so it's breaking that. And then you start, you start craving things like sweet potatoes and healthy carbs. Um, and so it's, it's kicking into that and realizing what those mean and really just allowing that to speak through. I love that term, intuitive eating. That's a great. That's a great way to do it. Think of it. You know that really is. I, I because I I struggle with this concept, and I don't even talk about it a lot because we have to be really careful with the cravings. And Michael, you you covered this really well. I want to expand on it. My body tends to crave fat. I mean, there, if I don't get enough fat, I, I'm not satisfied and I'll keep eating. But if I give it enough fat, and I've just found, I've done all the genetic testing, I've done all the metabolic testing, I don't do well with carbs. My body does much better on a high-fat, high-saturated fat diet. Um, the interesting thing was the genetics keep coming back that I should also be on a high-protein diet, and it, that doesn't work as well for me. So a lot of this is experimentation, playing around, some testing. But I hesitate to talk about the cravings because if you don't eat a clean diet and you're not healthy, mm-hmm. the cravings are probably what will take you down. They're, they're almost always unhealthy cravings. Michael, you did a good job of explaining why under stress – we might crave glucose. But there's also a, quite a bit of evidence, it hasn't been absolutely proven yet, that our gut bacteria can drive our cravings, and the gut bacteria will make you crave what they want as food. So if you have an overload of bad gut bacteria that likes to feed on glucose and sugar and starch, then that's what you're going to crave. But when you get a good microbiome balance, you may find that you're craving butter because, you know, you have gut bacteria that feeds off of the uh, the components in butter or higher fat foods. So I, I think cravings can drive us in the right direction as long as we're healthy and we are eating the right diet. Otherwise, I think we have to be very careful of cravings. They, they tend to lead us to the wrong foods many times. Definitely. Yeah, and I love that, that gut connection. It's so true. And that's a, that's a really crazy thing to try and grasp for a lot of people. Um, and it, one of the things that I love is we've been saying, you know, it's a phrase that we've been saying for so long is that gut feeling. 
And now we're starting to realize why is how much DNA and genetics is in us that just reside in our gut. And it's, we really have to start to under that and, and the connection of our gut and our brain. It's like, well, maybe there really is this gut feeling that we, and intuition that we are listening, that we should listen to. But like you said, when that gut is unhealthy, then we, that can create unhealthy gut feelings uh, and, and cravings and things like that. So it is, it is a very tough thing and, and careful thing to talk about because so many people don't have the optimal system to allow that to truly happen. You know, it, it, it's, it's interesting when you get to that point that you can trust your cravings. And I, I feel like I can do that now. There are times where I crave lots of vegetables, sometimes fresh, sometimes cooked. But it is a strong craving. I want a big salad. I want a lot of broccoli. There are other times where I am just craving fat. And, and that's what I'll eat. And then there are times when, you know, I'm not craving food at all. And and I, those are the times where I'll do maybe a, kind of a mini fast. But I, I, it's it's really a nice place to be when you can trust what your body is telling you and you can trust what your body's feeling. And, you know, I spent the first 52 years of my life not knowing what that felt like. So now to know, you know, if I'm craving a, a, a sweet potato, I, you know what, I'm going to eat it. Uh, one of the other foods that... Um, you know, we tend to shy away from in a lot of these diets are beans. And I tend to crave beans and I really like beans. I realize they are, they can be high in carbohydrates. So you've got to balance that out. And then we have the issue of uh, the phytates and the anti-nutrients and are they really blocking nutrient absorption? And this is where we get down to that properly prepared part. Um, the problem with beans is if you want them in the can, they weren't properly prepared, but they're convenient. If you want to do them from scratch, you know, and soak them and rinse them, and then, you know, it's not something you're going to throw together in a hurry. Um, well, there's the music. So, But I now have a solution for this that I'm pretty excited about. Uh, because I do like beans, and I'd like to include them in my diet, in balance, of course. We'll talk about that more when we get back, and then we are going to get to your calls and questions. Stick around. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Rutherford.
welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is Destination Health. We're down to the final segment. Uh, Kim and Michael are here with me. Um, Michael, I know you were going to talk about that transition from, you know, keto or therapeutic diets into a, a more kind of rounded uh, paleo primal lifestyle. Um, I think we're going to have to put that off till the next show where you're going to be joining us again. And I think we'll start off with that. I've got one more thing. I do want to get some calls and questions. Um, to finish up on, on the beans, and I'm excited about this whole project. I've been working on it now. Um, you know, beans are time consuming, but you could do them in really big batches. The problem is then you have to use them or freeze them, and freezing beans doesn't work very well. So it dawned on me the other day, why not can my own? And it turns out it's pretty darn simple to do a big batch, throw it in the pressure canner. They're soaked, they're rinsed. And I also found out that not only soaking and rinsing reduces the anti-nutrient effect in the phytates, they said that um, pressure cooking, which is how we're doing this, we're pressure canning it, completely inactivates the lectins in beans. So we have soaking, we have rinsing, and then the pressure cooking. So now we've got, beans are kind of a nutrient-dense food. So I'm excited because now we could do our own, do them in big batches, have them handy. So you just open it up, throw it into something, or eat them. And um, also a great way to carry it in the truck. That's awesome. That is really great. That just expands another reason for that pressure cooking and canning. Uh, I love that. Yeah, so we're excited about that. We'll talk about that, but we're going to get to some calls and questions, see what it is you want to talk about. Bryn in Florida, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks for get, getting me on the show. Hi, Kevin. Hi, Kim, and hi to Michael. <laughs> hey, Bryn. Hey there. Hey, um, Michael, you kindly uh, answered the PM uh, about my cholesterol. Um, uh, I, my... HDL is really low, my HDL is high, and my triglycerides are borderline. And you said not to use statin, um, but my wife is finding really hard time to find a low-carb doctor or a medicine practitioner because uh, I'm only home two days every other, every two weeks. Um, what harm would I do in taking statins, or is that totally a normal? Or is there anything else I can do until I can find somewhere to look to, so I can have a look? So pretty much our take is we'll give our opinion, and that's pretty much we personally. I would never take a statin. That's that's my personal opinion, and how that goes, you know, with I can't tell you to not listen to your doctor, but I can give you my opinion. Uh, so that's definitely that, you know, no to the statin. The the side effects are long, um, and some of them are pretty pretty rough. And uh, one of the things if you're going to take it and you just settle on, I'm going to take this, whether it's short-term, long-term, the number one thing to do is to supplement along with that is CoQ10 because it's going to actually, the statin will block your production of CoQ10 in the body, which is so, so crucial for your heart and just everything else. And it actually, the, the reduction in CoQ10 in your body is actually one of the reasons for a lot of the symptoms, the muscle pains and aches and, and, all, and lower energy and all these things come from the depletion of CoQ10. Um, so if you're going to definitely take that. Uh, my other suggestion is if you can't find a local doctor who's willing to work, there are some really great functional medicine doctors who practice online 
who take clients all over the world and use Skype and things like that um, because we're so – either they can order labs for you as well or you can even order your own now. There's so many great companies that actually allow you to order your own labs, which makes it really great. Now insurance isn't going to normally cover that um, because you're ordering yourself, so it is a little bit more expensive. Um, but you're able to do things like that. So one of my favorites that I really like who I know takes uh, – long-distance clients is Dr. Will Call. He is he was recently rated in the top 50 functional medicine practitioners. He's really great. He's keto-friendly, and he understands this stuff, and he's really great. Um, and so that's definitely an option, is that if you just can't find someone local who's willing to work with you to help fix this problem, would be to find a functional medicine doctor who is able to work with you and around your schedule, being on the road and not being able to get into their office necessarily. Yeah, I, you know, um, I appreciate uh, all the, the advice, and which is why I'm calling in, and and I didn't want to bug you all the time with more, you know, private messages. But um, I don't want to take the statins. I really don't. But um, uh, you know, what harm will I do until I can find somebody? Because uh, my wife is paranoid that my cholesterol is so high that I'm going to have a stroke in the truck, and you know I'm I'm in Florida and she's in Canada, and um, so it's it's hard to get advice, and especially as a truck driver, I try to do everything I can, uh, which is a lot down to to the show, to to everything that Destination Health does, and 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 thank you again for for messing me back, so. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll look at that, and thank you so much for all your help. Yeah, and one one other thing that you could do is just to maybe ease your mind or her mind is see if your doctor's willing to do an actual scan of your arteries around your heart, and, and they can actually go and look at if there is blockage, how much there is. Um, you can get really easy, simple tests, either have your doctor order it or you can for inflammation, which is really what's at the root of what's causing heart disease. Really great one. You can look at homo homocysteine levels and your C-reactive protein or a CRP. And both of those are really going to look at what's cause, what really is the root of all of this, which is the inflammation and see where those markers at. And then again, if you're going to actually, you know, you get the test and actually look and see your arteries and if there's not blockage, those numbers are almost meaningless in the context of heart disease because it's not doing anything yet. Good stuff. Let's uh, squeeze in another call or two. We're off to Texas. Sean, welcome to the program. Uh, good afternoon. I, today is my 15th day being in, uh, on a keto diet. And I, I think about after the ninth day is when I actually woke up one morning. I felt like a million bucks. So I figured that was the day I'm actually in ketosis. And uh, so far, everything's doing well. I've uh, lost 12 pounds since I've been on it. And I had a couple symptoms, and I was wondering if, uh, if I could just modify it. I'm pretty picky in what I eat, so I can, I'm pretty comfortable to eat the same thing every day um, until I get home on the weekend. But one thing I've noticed being on my diet is um, I get some heartburn, and I want to know what will be causing that. Michael, you want to take that one? So, <laughs> so heartburn is one of those things. It's, I mean, there's a lot of factors that can go into it, and we're not, they're, they're not even really sure exactly what's always causing it. We're, there's some theories that there's even like this spot in the stomach that when it gets to this point, and 
you know, it kind of almost hits the switch that closes the valve. Because essentially what's happening is you have a valve that goes from your esophagus into your stomach, and that's opening and, and causing the, the acid to come up. And it's not too much acid. Oftentimes it's actually, there's not enough acid in people who actually have heartburn and when that's coming up and feeling that, that burn in their esophagus. Um, and, and so it's, there are definitely foods that seem to trigger it. Um, coffee can sometimes trigger this in people. Uh, now, Kim, I know you guys, especially specifically, you have really created some great programs to and protocols. If someone is on some of these drugs that you know they might be taking to quote unquote help or fix this, um, so I'm gonna let Kim keep going with this one because I know she's looked a lot into this stuff. Well, you know, and I got to hand it to um, a lot. That's from the NTA as well. So I love the full circle of everything. And what's nice with the protocol that we have is there's some healing that needs to go on as well. So it's, you know, it's so cool to go back to the goal of healing the gut. I mean, all that goes together. And um, so the protocol that we have out there is just that. You're healing anything that's going on in the esophagus um, and as well as building some of your stomach acid with some, HCL and some enzymes in there. It's just a really well-rounded um, program out there to go with what you're doing keto-wise. You know, get some bone broth in there as well to get some good collagen and some good sodium that you're going to be losing too as well, especially when you first start. So, um, Sean, take a look at that on the website. Uh, any of those supplements that are a part of that protocol will help you um, be more comfortable and also do some healing. Good stuff. I'm looking at the clock, and boy, we just blew right through this show. So we are going to have to wrap this up, and we will do it again soon. Uh, thanks to my co-host, Kim Cockerham. Uh, special thanks to our special guest co-host today, Michael Rutherford. We are going to do this again soon. The next episode, we are going to talk about that transition from what we consider a therapeutic diet into a broader diet following the paleo and primal principles. We will do that on the next show. We hope to see you there. Check out the website. It's letstruck.com. Be safe. Be profitable. Be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Thanks, everyone. We are going to do a second hour. Um, looks like we've got some room for questions in this hour, and we're going to get to uh, as many of them as we can. So if you've got a question, a comment, a topic, anything you want to talk about, go ahead and press 1, and uh, we'll get to those 
in this show. Here we go. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. The website is Let'sTruck.com. The show is all about the business of trucking, and today is Destination Health. My co-host is Kim Cockerham. We'll take your calls and answer your questions about everything health. Food, nutrition, fitness, disease, lifestyle, training, drugs, supplements, you name it. We'll talk about it. All you have to do is pick up the phone and ask the question. We are also being joined today by a special guest host, my son, Michael Rutherford, who is in the NTP program now, working his way towards certification. He's also a certified primal health coach. Kim, welcome back. I'm glad to be here. Both of you guys. Yeah, great to have you here. And yes. and Michael, welcome back again. And, uh, you know, last show we kind of did an intro, talked about your background and some of the things you're working on. And uh, one of the topics that, that you really like to work with and help people with is that transition. And I, I'm going to talk about that a little bit, how we approach that, and then I want you to address that as well. So... The way we see this whole nutrition thing in turning around all these chronic diseases and these diseases of civilization that are just absolutely rampant, every year the numbers get worse. In the trucking industry, the numbers are horrendous compared to the the rest of the population. It it looks like a lot of bad news because the numbers just keep getting worse and worse and, and the pace keeps getting worse. But there's really good news, and that is diet and lifestyle, mostly diet, some lifestyle, fixes almost all of this stuff. And um, Kim and I have been working with a lot of people one-on-one, and our approach um, is really pretty simple and straightforward. We, we first get them to start eating real food, not junk, not processed food, not grains, not pseudo foods, but real foods, and, and just start to make that shift in the diet. Then we talk about more nutrient-dense foods, but we most of the time approach this in the beginning from a standpoint of what is the person's largest health problem. And if it's obesity and blood sugar control, then we go to a ketogenic diet as a therapeutic diet because it's very effective at helping people lose weight and get blood pressure under control. If we have a client who is suffering from autoimmune conditions and sometimes multiple autoimmune conditions, then we could do an AIP or a GAPS, a a very targeted therapeutic diet. Uh, there's lots of conditions that will respond very well to a targeted therapeutic diet. The issue can be that those therapeutic diets tend to be really restrictive, a, a very narrow choice of foods. A lot of foods get eliminated, and they are extremely effective, but we only really want to use them to reach a goal, to to 
create a very specific change in somebody's health, then we really want to transition to more of a paleo primal approach to eating and living. And, and I want you to, to talk about that, what that means and how you make that transition. Yeah, so I definitely my approach right off the bat is really the same way. And, and all three of us have, you know, our formal education and nutrition really rooted in the exact same principles. So it totally makes sense. We understand the bio-individuality individuality of people and that we can't use one same approach for everything that we really do need to tailor it to the individual. So I love that. And just a real quick touch on what it is when you say a therapeutic diet and what that means is for some people who may not know is that this is a very targeted selection of of foods and how to eat for a very specific reason for an illness or, or an issue and that it's generally, for most people, uh, in most situations, a, a somewhat short term. And that can be anywhere from, you know, three to six months to a couple of years until that problem is resolved. Now, some things like epilepsy or, you know, some really neurodegenerative diseases, um, you're pretty much in it for life. Things like, or things like type 1 diabetes, where it's, it's a chronic illness, but you can't necessarily fix it. Um, it, it doesn't just go away. And so, yeah, those are definitely, those are people who are going to be on therapeutic diets really for the rest of their life. For the vast majority of people, as their illness really goes into remission, something that conventional medicine is, is going to tell you just doesn't happen, that once you have this, you have it for life, we're finding that's just not true. And so as those, as those illnesses and problems start to go away, we can start bringing back some of these things. And I think that you brought up the gaps in autoimmune protocol are both great examples of that. They both have very restrictive periods. And then there's this period of bringing slowly reintroducing foods and seeing how the body reacts. And I love that model. And it's the same thing. You can use the same thing with the ketogenic diet in, in, you know, things like fat loss and weight loss. And as they reach their goals, and as the healing begins to happen, the insulin, you know, resistance and sensitivity starts to adjust and, and come back to what we call homeostasis, which is basically where the body should be, that we can start to reintroduce these things. So in the context of a ketogenic diet, that can be raising the, the carb levels so people don't feel so restricted and they can enjoy some of those foods. And so as, you know, that's something as, as a client starts to reach their goal, let's say, you know, they were 200 pounds and they wanted to be 175 and so as they start to reach that, we start having that discussion. You know, do you want to stay on this? Do you feel great? Um, are you comfortable with, you know, your selection of foods? Or do you feel like you, could re- you would really enjoy having some of these things back? Now, these healthy carbs, we're not going to start bringing back bowls of pasta and things like that. We really want to keep the health-promoting foods, the nutrient density. You talked about that recently is that this change is that nutrient density really does need to be the core, that it, it, it's not enough to just eat a ketogenic diet and, and just be okay with that is that we really should still be taking nutrient density at, at its, at the core and the max of everything. And so still staying within that. So bringing things back, you talked about properly prepared legumes. They really are healthy. They have lots of great things on there. They're when you compare them to grains, yes, they're both starchy and, and higher in carbohydrates, but the, the vitamin mineral content and, and all the things are so much higher in, in legumes. They're a far better choice. Um, and it's much easier to prepare them properly than it is grains. So that can be a great option. I've had, you know, some Hispanic, you know, culturally people who are like, you're going to take away my rice and beans. 
And I'm like, listen, short term, but I, 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 that's one thing I want to bring back for you. As you reach your goal, don't think that you're never going to have these things again. We might have to remove them for the time being to get to your goal. But the end goal really would be to be able to bring, to heal your body so that we can bring those things back and you can enjoy them. Because in the end, the most sustainable diet is one that you can enjoy. And so the goal is to get that person to where they can eat the foods that they want that are health promoting and that they can enjoy. Absolutely. So that, that, you know, when we look at it from that approach, I, I, I love that idea because yes, we're going to restrict foods. We have to, I mean, much of the problems we see in health are because of the things we're eating. So nothing changes if nothing changes. So the one thing you've got to tell people, yes, this is a big change. But it, it, it's not nearly as bad as some people believe. In fact, most people who go through this transition, who start eating a real food diet, who do keto or paleo or primal, when once they get it all worked out, almost everybody says, you know what, I really love eating this way. It's not a, a restriction or – this is – Mostly that comes from the fact that you are eating the foods we were designed to eat. And there is a transition period, but once you get fat adapted for one thing and you start finding the right foods for uh, your genetics, there, there are some variances. But I find that people who stick with this and do it properly get to a point where they say, I've never enjoyed eating as much as I do now. Yeah, and so it was really funny. I did a uh, kind of like a, a think tank for uh, Bulletproof when they wanted to get some of their people who were really into the business and the company and what they're talking about and just kind of hear from them how they can reach out to more people that aren't, you know, and how they can communicate to people who aren't like biohackers and super nerdy into this stuff and how to get to them more. And just one of the things that, you know, I said to them that you and I have talked about before and I just kind of made it a tagline is you don't know what feeling good feels like until you felt bulletproof good. And you can take that and just say, you know, just whatever. But it's, I, I love it because you and I, and we had lots of digestive issues, you know, growing up and you for, you know, 52 years and me for 26, 27. Just, I can't remember a time where I didn't have really bad digestive issues. And I just thought that was life. Um, and, I hear it. Yep, there it is. All right, we're going to get to a break. We've got lots more stuff today, including your calls and questions. So stick around. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Rutherford.
Welcome. Oh, hold on one second. Let me try that again. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is Destination Health. Kim is here with me. We're also being joined by Michael Rutherford. We're talking about making that transition from a a therapeutic diet, solving very specific problems, and then transitioning to um, a a more paleo-primal, real food kind of approach where we're not being as restrictive. You know, Michael, one of the ways, you know, we we look at this is we identify what the major health concerns are. And that's a a big part of what we do with the the NutriQ. We identify which systems of the body are, are out of whack or out of homeostasis. And we can target each one of those with a very specific protocol or a very specific way to eat and then track it till that problem is solved. Um, You know, we we talk a lot about inflammation and and, uh, Kim and I just recently had an interesting case. Uh, Kim, I want you to jump in with the details on this because you tend to remember this stuff so much better than I do when when we're working with individuals. the the issue was inflammation and to the point that they had even taken some tests to, to check on inflammation, C-reactive protein. Do you remember this one, Kim? And mm-hmm. what was mm-hmm. his specific yeah. what was his specific condition? Do you remember? You underlying condition? Yeah. He, like he, the Lyme disease? Oh, that's right. It was Lyme disease. That That's what I was trying to remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, yeah. So in Lyme disease is, is mm-hmm. pretty serious. I mean, people really, really yeah. suffer with this. And it's one of those cluster of symptoms that we chase a lot, never seem to fix. He had been going to doctors and, and even doctors that mm-hmm. specialized in this for a very long time. They had checked on inflammation because that's a big part of Lyme disease. It attacks the joints and creates inflammation. And his was high. There was no question. There was something really going on. And he had started to transition to a keto diet because he was listening to us, not doing it specifically for the Lyme disease, but just in general. And the next time he went back and had his his CRP checked, it was like almost non-existent, and he was just shocked. It was the first time ever that the inflammation had come down that low. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's what I, you know, if any listeners are out there, they might, you know, here we're talking about, you know, therapeutic diets and, and transitioning and so forth, and here you're showing a classic example of somebody who reaped the benefits of a keto diet for something he'd been trying to deal with. So I guess where I'm going with this is, you know, people might be out there listening and thinking, where does, where do I fit in this? Um, you know, do I have things going on that might be better with this diet? And we always teach that, yeah, 
But um, if they have a question about where they might fit into this role, what we're talking about, I'd love for them to press one and, and ask more about it. But here you shared a gentleman who had been taking antibiotics and spending so much money getting treated a conventional way. He listened. He put the um, process in the place of changing his diet and getting rid of grains and sugars and then reaped the benefits. You know, this can benefit anybody out there. Um, and, you know, we encourage you to try it and ask questions how and, you know, what next and so forth like that. So just a good yeah. example of how these therapeutic diets affect so much that, um, in general, uh, good health overall. Yeah, you know, Michael, we were talking uh, about, and I bring this up quite a bit, how sometimes people are very, very skeptical because these diets have been shown to correct so many medical problems. And it, at times it almost sounds like it's too good to be true. But there's another factor. One, I, you know, I always bring up the fact that our body was designed to be healthy. It wasn't meant to be sick. So it, it's, it's not any miracle that living and eating correctly, we stay healthy and we can fix all of these things. But there's another factor here we know that almost every disease, there are very few exceptions to this, almost every disease or cluster of symptoms has inflammation as its component. Inflammation throughout the body is almost the, that is the disease state. When there's inflammation, something is wrong. And a lot of what we talk about is addressing that what's causing that inflammation through diet. And if we fix inflammation, then we do fix all these other things. It, and it may sound like it's too good to be true, but we're really addressing that, that basic core factor in health that we should not be inflamed. Yeah, it's, I mean, when you really look at the science and what we love is that root cause. What's really, when you pull back all the curtains and the doors and you get down to what's really causing the inflammation that's behind so many things. So it, when it sounds too good to be true, that one approach could fix so many things. It's well, they all have the same root cause and it's that inflammation. So if you have an anti-inflammatory diet, well, you can fix a lot of different things. You know, when you look at, you know, things like diabetes and obesity and, and some different things and PCOS and all these things that are rooted in blood sugar control, you have a diet that targets handling, you know, controlling your blood sugar and your insulin. Well, yeah, it can fix all of those different things that are tied to it. So it's, it does sound too good to be true, but it's because all of these complicated, you know, quote unquote complicated health problems are really rooted in really just a handful of the same causes. It just can portray in many different ways for, for different people. This inflammation can cause joint pain or digestive issues or skin issues or whatever. And it's, but yet it's all coming from the same thing, which is inflammation. It, it, exactly. And, you know, to use another example, you had mentioned digestive issues. I had them my whole life. I mean, starting when I was young and it, I got a lot of what, you know, good functional medicine doctors now called trash can diagnosis, um, you know, IBD, IBS, um, until those actually progress to something like Crohn's where we can absolutely point at a symptom and say, yes, you have Crohn's, here's why. Uh, 
And, and by the way, that Crohn's, the way we diagnose that is inflammation of the intestines when we can see it. Um, but a lot of other times you'll find that people have all these symptoms, but we can't really nail it down to a specific disease. And that's kind of what I dealt with my whole life. And you get the typical, well, take, you know, back then it was fiber. Um, and you need to drink more water, and on and on and on, and things that didn't really work. And, and when I cleaned up my diet and started eating real food and, and eating the way we were supposed to eat, all the symptoms just went away. And it was interesting because I took that, that really high-level gut test through Viome, and one of the things they look for, so in the Viome test, they sequence every bit of DNA from your gut. They can tell you exactly which species right down to the genotypes and it's a really amazing test. But another thing that they test for, they actually test for human RNA in the sample. And the reason they do that is when you have inflammation in your digestive tract, your digestive tract will shed off those cells, those inflamed cells, trying to get rid of the inflammation. When they do that, you end up with human RNA in the sample, and based on how much RNA, um, they can tell whether or not you have, you know, an inflamed digestive tract, which would mean some sort of disease. Well, after struggling with digestive issues my whole life, my test came back. I am in the 98th percentile on 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 the good side that means there are only two percent of the people that have ever been tested like this that have less human rna than i did i mean that's just a real testament to what this can do to fix problems that haven't even been really identified i mean i I was diagnosed as a child with colitis but i'm not even sure if that was a correct diagnosis or not and then they luckily they didn't have anything they could do for it. And I say luckily because now if you're diagnosed with colitis, you'll end up on biologics, which create all kinds of other nasty problems. But, you know, we, we just have so many examples of, the you know, using this approach, the therapeutic diet, address the, the most pressing concerns, and then make this transition that you're talking about to this primal lifestyle yeah and so here's a really great thing that a lot of people don't realize is if a medical term or um yeah we'll go a medical term ends or diagnosis i should say ends with syndrome because they don't the medical community doesn't know what it is what how it's really caused and, and so something like irritable ibs which is irritable bowel syndrome they really, they just like, you have digestive issues, but we don't really know what's causing or whatever, so here you go. Really, what we're finding out is gut permeability. It's that leaky gut. Um, and, and so we know we know what causes that. It's all that inflammation and, and anti-nutrients that are getting in there and just destroying the gut. And, I mean, you talk, I mean, I talked to you because I, ha- I, mean, I had digestive issues for so long, and sometimes it was really, really bad. And I'm like, should I go in for testing? They're like... They're going to run 20 different tests and probably not give you an answer. Yeah. And, which... and, and that's so true. And I know that now because I know it, was, it didn't elevate to something like Crohn's or... Yeah. Yep. Hey, got to cut you off for a second. We're going to come right back after the break. We've got more coming. Don't go away. I'm Kevin Rutherford.
All right, a quick heads up. We've got two segments left. I've got some room for questions. So um, we lost a whole bunch off the board. I'm not sure what happened. So if you want to jump in right now with a question, a comment, a topic, go ahead and press 1 on your phone. And if you do it uh, soon, I promise we'll get to you. Here we go. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is Destination Health. My co-host is Kim Cockery, and we're also joined by Michael Rutherford today, special guest host. We're talking about uh, the use of a therapeutic diet and then transitioning into a more uh, primal diet. Michael, why don't you go ahead and finish up that thought. Uh, Kim, I'm going to see if you have anything today, and then we're going to get to some calls and questions. Yeah, so I just want to real quick talk about how I use this for me. So I specifically remember coming over to your house, and we were just sitting around. I think we were eating lunch or dinner, and you just started talking about you had just kind of started reading like Wheat Belly and Grain and Grain Brain and all and Brain Maker and those different books, and you just started looking into this stuff, and we were just kind of talking about it, and it just kind of blew my mind, and I just decided to start kind of making that transition for no. Real, re- I wasn't. I didn't think it was gonna, you know, fix my digestion. I just thought I was stuck with that. We hadn't even necessarily gotten to that kind of talk yet, and so I just started making this transition. And after like a month or so, I, I started looking back and I was like, "Man, I haven't had any issues." And we're talking, I on a at least weekly basis, sometimes daily, that I was having issues and digestive issues to the point where sometimes I was leaving work because it was so bad, and I don't leave work. I could have the flu and I'll show up at work. But it was so bad that I, it was pointless for me to be there because I spent so much time in the bathroom, honestly. And so it was incredible to see. And then, you know, I'm on my feet all day. I work in kitchens and I'm on my feet and my knees and my, my feet and hips and back were so inflamed. And all of a sudden I was like, man, I feel great. Like I'm not having to, t- I was taking anywhere from 1200 to like 1800 milligrams of ibuprofen a day on a regular basis. Let's not even talk about the gut damage that can do, but just to try and manage some of the inflammation. And it wasn't doing much, but it was at least allowing me to get through the day with manageable pain. And I realized I wasn't having to reach for that anymore. And it was just, I didn't do it for any of those purposes. So it's not even like it was a placebo effect where I was like, oh, this is working. I really just did it to try and be healthier. And it was incredible the results I saw in just a month from stuff that I had been dealing with for like, a decade or two. So that was, just, it's, you know, we go back to that thing that I said of, you don't know what it feels to feel good until you feel mm-hmm. bulletproof good or however you want to apply that is that's when you don't want to go back to that way of eating. And so a lot of people are like, no, I feel great. And I, I'm okay not making the transition. And some people are like, yeah. And so we want to play with that transition. You know, if it does start to create problems then we want to cut that back. Um, but you're right. Some people don't, some people are like, I feel so good. I don't want to touch this. I have no problem doing this for the rest of my life because I feel so good. Yeah, it's interesting because I've found that 
I, I've played with this multiple times over the last three years. I've played with primarily my macronutrient balance. The one thing I don't play with is, is I'm not, I don't even think about bringing any kind of processed food back into my diet. That's just never going to happen. The, the benefits have been way too big and, and too many good things. So I don't even think about that. So what I do work on is eating real food. What macronutrient balance do I want? And I keep coming to the same conclusion that I do really, really well on very low carb. And, and I struggle sometimes because there are foods that I do like to add, and, and I will, but I, I always know that if I want to feel my absolute best and perform my absolute best, I do it on a very low-carb diet, um, it, and everybody is bio-individuals. So when we talk about this transition, that's really kind of the core of all this. You're not going to transition back to the way you used to eat. You're not going to transition back to the processed junk food. You're, the transition means you're going to continue to eat real food, but it's not going to be as restrictive as maybe a keto would be, very low carb, or an AI, AIP where we eliminate you know, reactive foods. We're, we're going to try to bring real foods back in and find that balance. And Kim, I know you've been through this as well. You, you didn't necessarily do the, the really low carb the first time for all the health reasons, but I think you had the same experience that we're talking about. It, it, it worked for what you were using it for, but then you noticed all the other benefits. And we hear that a lot from people. Mm-hmm. We do. And we have people that, and we, a lot of times we'll just tell them to just trust us about this yeah, right. and to, try it because they don't like Michael how you said they they don't know what it feels like to not hurt they feel like it's just part of oh it was my job because I'm on my feet it's my aging I should hurt and we're saying no you you shouldn't and and you deserve to feel good and to just trust us and and move forward with this and you know when you guys are talking transition where where that speaks to me is um you know and I have a different experience from when I first did keto 10 years ago now based on my age you know I get different responses back from that and my goal is and I'm not there yet um to be where it looks like you guys because you're so disciplined too and I aspire to that to get your lifestyle and your you know both your eating and your like um Michael you were talking about the orchestra which I just love that um to a place where you're so consistent with this is how you live that you can listen to your body I fall, I fall back and forth a lot of times. So then I'm, am I really, you know, do I have myself at that place that I can really be intuitive to what my body's saying? And I think it would just be a great goal for all of us to shoot for is to get to that place that you could honestly say, this is what my body's telling me. And, um, and then, and then work with that. But that's where I think we all should strive to get to. Absolutely. All right. Speaking of getting to things, um, what do you guys say we get to some phone calls? Yeah, let's do it. Awesome. All right. Let's start off in Illinois. Gary, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin, Kim, and Mike, or is it, did I get the right name? Mike, Michael, okay. I, I, any, anything will work. Okay. All right. Yes. Uh, I have read the primal, uh, Endurance and Primal Blueprint. I shouldn't say read them. I listen to them because I'm a trucker, um, and I love them. Uh, but I have other questions, I guess. 
uh, my question is about uh, SIBO. Just, uh, I had the other day, I have one other question after that too, but uh, I had a, just the other day, I had to sneeze. I put my hand in front of my, my mouth and I sneezed, and then I smelt my breath after, and it was almost like sewage, you know? So I'm wondering, is that SIBO? Um, it, it could possibly be. I mean, SIBO would to to test for SIBO. Um, we do a breath test. They're okay. they're looking for um, hydrogen and methane. So both of them can smell unpleasant. Um, it's hard to tell. the The cool thing about SIBO, even though there is a test for it, I, I don't really encourage people to take the test. We, we've got one supplement that works so well for SIBO, and rather than spend money on the test and then probably have to buy the supplement anyway, um, try the supplement. If you get results and people get results... I would definitely like to try it. Yeah, it, it, people get results sometimes the very first time they take it. So you take it you know, with a meal, and, and what it does is SIBO is bacteria in the upper part of our digestive tract where it doesn't belong in the small intestine, and that bacteria starts to ferment the, the carbohydrates that you're eating, the starches and the sugars, and, that, and from that fermentation process, it creates methane and hydrogen, depending on which kind of bacteria it is, and you can have both. This particular supplement is only designed for SIBO, and it basically starves out that bacteria so that they can't produce the methane and the hydrogen. So if you have SIBO, this works quickly, and and you know it. And if it doesn't work, not really that big of a deal. We just move on to what else it might be. Okay, I would definitely like to try that. Um, Then I have another... uh, question on because i'm not sure about my food tolerances i had um i'm wondering you guys talked about temperature you know like before you eat or something like that and then take a temperature after you eat and if your temperature rises the food's not uh, agreeing with you well how, how much how much of a raise in temperature should would determine that um i don't kim have we ever talked about temperature I- for food I, no, I have never seen anything with temperature. With you know, we just always go by the pulse. You know. Yeah. Oh, pulse. Okay. Oh, okay. 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 I thought I thought it was temperature. I guess because it was just the other day that I I was hearing it, but I must have missed missed. Misheard it. <laughs> yeah, it, it's actually pulse rate, and it's called Coca's pulse test. And boy, all three of us should know this answer. Is it six beats per minute? If it increases more than six yeah. beats per minute, okay. Yeah. All right, we'll talk about that more right after this. I'll take us through the break. We'll be right back. Stick around. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is Destination Health.
Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is Destination Health. We're going to get right back to the phone calls. We were talking about COCA's pulse test. So, Gary, basically what you do is you you take sitting down in a calm, relaxed state, you take your pulse. And the one change you have to make is a lot of times we'll check pulse for 15 seconds. We'll count the beats in 15 seconds and then multiply it by four to get our pulse rate per minute. For COCA's pulse test, you yep. can't do that. You actually have to count for the full one minute. You don't do 15 seconds and then multiply. It's not as accurate. You count for the full one minute. Let's say for me, for example, a normal pulse rate for me would be about 57 beats a minute. Then what I would do is I would take the food I wanted to test and I would chew it and hold it on my tongue but not swallow and I believe you leave it there for about 30 seconds, and then you check the heart rate again, the pulse rate, for a full minute. If it raises more than six beats, then you're having a reaction to that food. Oh, wow. You don't even have to eat it. No. You just hold it on your tongue. It's the same way we actually test supplements with people. It's called neuro-linguistic testing. Um, we, we put the supplement on your tongue and then we can test different points in your body for, for pain and inflammation. And you can actually figure out which supplement works better for individuals. Okay. Is it on your tongue or under your tongue? On your tongue. You just hold it on the tongue. You hold it in your mouth and, and we do the testing. Okay. Oh, wow. That is very good information. Uh, I've been on on this ketogenic diet for two years and three months. Love it. Got rid of all my pains and stuff. But yes, I do like to have my beer once in a while, and yeah. and then I suffer for two days after that at least. <laughs> right. But yeah. But <laughs> but but I, but I know I'm coming right back because as soon as I get back on the road, I'm I'm the one that you know I I had to quit coming home because you know it was it was easier to stay on the ketogenic diet on the road. Right. Yeah, great stuff. Yeah, the COCA's pulse test is a great way. It's testing for the same basic things we test for on the FIT test. The difference is the FIT test tests everything at once so and identifies the ones you are reacting to. So we recommend the FIT test first, but then if there are foods you want to see if you could add back in, you can do them one at a time with the COCA's pulse test. Let's go to Nebraska. Diane, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. Hi, Kim. Hi, Michael. Nice to talk to you again. Hi. Uh, I have a nine-year-old that uh, they're suspicious that he has OCD, and I wondered about the ketogenic diet for that condition and if you had any other recommendations for ADD? Yeah, I'll jump in here first and then the other two can weigh in if they want. Um, It's interesting if you look at ADD rates around the world and one of the best countries to compare with is France. They're a first world country. They live, you know, it's a civilized, they have, you know, a lot of the same stresses we have. Um, Their rates of ADD are almost non-existent. It, it, it's not even, it's barely heard of in France. And yet in the United States, it's so common. You just say it. Everybody knows what you're talking about. And why would mm-hmm. that be? And it comes down to diet and, and primarily diet, a little bit of lifestyle, but primarily diet. They just 
tend to eat real food. They tend to eat local food. They eat a very high-fat diet. Um, you know, France may be one of the countries that, that eats the closest to a ketogenic diet naturally. I mean, that's just what their diet has always been. It, it, and they do still eat, you know, breads and pastries, but it's a very small percentage of their diet, and they don't eat a lot of processed food, and they have, like, ridiculously low rates of ADD. So it, it really is diet. And whether or not you would have to go full-blown keto, um, how old is he? Nine. Um, any issues with weight? He's a little thin, but I don't think he's that, actually underweight. Okay, a little underweight. So then um, you may not need to do a full-blown keto because we don't have weight issues. Mm-hmm. 90% sure we wouldn't have blood sugar control issues. This is where, Michael, a, mm-hmm. a good um, primal diet and lifestyle would be fantastic for him. Yeah, so that was kind of – so I would almost weigh that lifestyle is – probably more than you might. And that's primarily if you look at the way our, the U.S. structure of school is versus almost all of Europe and, and specifically France, um, down from the food they eat, the way it's scheduled and all of that. Um, you know, they have more unstructured time. So, you know, in, in U.S. schools, it's so structured. You sit still all day long. You do this. Um, I would really... It, um, encourage a lot more activity time, especially like outside activity time as much as you can with him when he's home um, mm-hmm. and really encourage that lifestyle. And then the other thing would definitely be supplementing with a good quality probiotic uh, because again, mm-hmm. like we talked about in the other show is that there's such a, a huge gut brain um, connection and, and there has been some really incredible small studies um, and sometimes just single people um but where they just do like a full transformation of uh, biome and you know even down to things like fecal transplants where they're actually taking like species from a healthy gut and putting it into someone else and like almost overnight seeing dramatic changes from like really bad like add and adhd um even things like autism and things like i mean it's really kind of crazy the changes that they can see um so i would highly recommend any time you have especially in a kid any kind of neurological thing whether it's attention or you know anything like that really focus on just clean food um i really don't think outside of really intense things like epilepsy that kids just don't really need that ketogenic diet their their bodies aren't that damaged yet you know to where you know Mm -hmm. us where it's been decades of damage where they, if they just eat that clean food, that their metabolism is going to keep up, that it's really going to go through that stuff really well. And then just supplementing with, if you can get probiotic foods, um, kefir can be a great to make like kefir smoothies. Um, kefir mm-hmm. is similar to yogurt, um, but made a little bit differently. And, and just yeah. getting those probiotic foods and, and a probiotic supplement and really see some of those changes that might happen. And I see. Diane, one more thing to keep to keep in mind. Um, you look at our traditional mm-hmm. approach to ADD and ADHD. It's been a horrible failure, and they're not changing. Yeah. Uh, you know what? A lot of people don't realize for decades through the 80s and 90s, 70s, 80s, and into the 90s, 
one of the go-to medications for ADHD and ADD was methamphetamine. That's what we were given to our kids. And we wonder why we have a methamphetamine epidemic on the street now because those are the kids that grew up hooked on methamphetamine because that's what we gave them for ADHD. It's a a horrible, horrible system. Um, I I would do everything I possibly could to avoid putting somebody on medication for this condition. It doesn't work, and it causes lifetime problems. Let's go to Missouri. Gwen, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. What's on your mind today? I was, uh, been on the, I've been on the ketogenic diet for about a year, and I thought, you know, I'd done your uh, Nutri-Q and everything. Got some of your supplements, but I was having trouble with my blood pressure and everything. So when I was in the doctor, I showed her what I was going to be taking, and she's like, no, no, I don't want you taking that. It's like, well, we'll see. But I, it, in the meantime, why I'm prior to not taking it all yet is because I'm getting ready to do my DOT physical, and I want to make sure everything's square before I go back in and do that again. <laughs> but anyway, I was, uh, you know, I'd gotten down to like a size 18 clothes, fitting really good. And now, and I've lost weight. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm down to almost to where I was a long, long time ago, you know, and my clothes used to fit really good. Well, now it seems like I'm just blown up to like a 20. I feel like I'm, you know, about 25 pounds more than what I was. You know, I mean, you know, that's the way my clothes fit me. Yeah, there are a lot of reasons for this. If it happens quickly, like within a couple of days or a week, and we see this a lot, that's almost always a food reaction or something going wrong with digestion or mineral balance. It, it, it's really hard to gain a lot of weight fast. We can bloat, we can retain water, yeah. that can make our weight fluctuate a lot. Now, if somebody said, I gained 25 pounds yeah. over two months, well, then that, that is more likely macronutrient balance, and we got to get things back under control. This is one of those questions well, that... Well, I haven't gained. It's my body, my well, that, fat. That, that, that's, no, I've actually... Yeah, well, that's what I mean. This is actually bloating, which is a food reaction, more than likely. If you haven't already taken, uh, retaken the Nutri-Q, I would do it again. I would also recommend the fit test. Um, but with that, we're out of time. Um, Michael, any final words? Thanks for joining us, by the way. No, just remember that regardless of how you approach this, it's, it's real food. Regardless of how you go about it, if you focus on real food, so much healing can happen, and, and it's, that's going to be what the same do. Fantastic. Thanks, as always, for joining us. We'll look forward to getting you back. Kim, any final words? No, I just want to thank Michael, too, for coming. It's been nice. Um, I feel like we're sitting around chatting here, and it's just great going sharing the same things we believe in and all of our tribe believes in. So thanks, everybody, for being here. Great stuff. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time. Be safe. Be profitable. Be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey. I'm Kevin Rutherford. All right, thanks, everybody. Don't forget, uh, in uh, an hour, hour and a half or so, we've got a uh, webinar coming up. You can find it on uh, Facebook, and we'll be talking about high blood pressure and what to do about it. So we'll see you then. Thanks.
Thank you for using Blog Talk Radio. Goodbye.